What's up, it's Chase Young. What's up, this is Terry McLaurin. You're listening to the Washington Football Talk Podcast. The season isn't officially over until players clean out their lockers and the head coach, among others, give a press conference to conclude what just happened. Now, that has all happened, and it's time to diagnose all of it. This is Washington Football Talk. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What up, everybody? It's J.P. Finley. It's Washington Football Talk. We are brought to you by Oarsman Automotive of Virginia, Mr. Babiaji, and all seven Oarsman Virginia locations. Not six, seven. Mickey Mantle. Check them out from Chantilly to Alexandria. They got anything you need. Joined here by Mitch Tischler and Pete Haley. Gentlemen, um, we've just concluded the Ron Rivera-Martin Mayhew press conference. I think Ron probably did 70% of the talking. I tried to specifically ask Martin a question, but that, that dude provides. Outside of wanting to get that information out on about Brandon Sheriff, he provides zero information, um, which is, I mean, Beamish said, like, that's exactly how he was as a player. Like, he's just a quiet guy, and that's okay. He's an intrinsic thinker. Um, I'll say this. I thought, so two things are going to happen. We're going to talk about Ron Rivera's presser and what we made of it. Then after that, we're going to run my interview with Ron Rivera, which was fairly lengthy. Uh, we, we talked, I don't know how long it went, but it, it was longer than normal. And I feel like we covered a lot of different things. And I, I feel like where maybe Ron got a bit, not testy, because the vibe during the presser was kind of perhaps jovial, but like, and not defensive, but animated. I feel like he maybe was more thoughtful speaking one-on-one with me, if that's possible. Um, so you you can, you probably listened to his presser and now you're gonna listen to us talk about it and then you can listen to our conversation and make your own decision. Um, but l- let's start just with the simple, what did you make of Ron Rivera, Martin Mayhew, seasons over press conference? Go ahead, Mitch, you, you, you were fired up on this one. A little bit. Animated. 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 Not, yeah, not, not necessarily fired up. First of all, I thought the Brandon Sheriff thing was the basically the only important thing that came out of the presser. There was a lot of interesting stuff, but I think that was the most important thing, especially for the team. Let's to say to... what it was. Just that oh, Martin Mayhew yeah. came out and said that they made an offer to Brandon Sheriff to be the highest paid guard in the NFL. Last season. Last season. Mayhew, and, who never says anything, says, I want fans to know. He, made, right, like, right. he came in here with that armed and ready. Yeah. And that so, was put out there on purpose. Yes. The, that means sixteen plus million dollars a year on average is what the top the top couple guards in in the NFL are making right now. Brandon obviously made eighteen last year, the second year on his uh, franchise tag. Ron Rivera's portion of it, I was uh, I was pretty pretty unimpressed with. I thought it was riddled with uh, excuses and you know kind of shenanigans reasonings for why things went south. Just uh, talking about how expectations cause some of the bad play. And, you know, he, he specifically said that about the defensive line. And he rewind five, ten years ago, and you heard players say, oh, I don't read the press clippings, you know, I don't see what you get. Nowadays, if a player says that, they say that, whatever. It's complete Lies. malarkey. Malarkey. They see everything. Everything's on Twitter. Everyone's on social media. Guys say they delete their accounts. They see it. So to use that as the reasoning for why they played poorly on defense – is at at least disingenuous and at, or I guess at best disingenuous and at worst a terrible excuse and I think it speaks to how poorly the defensive line played that there that he felt like he needed to I don't want to say manufacture but come up with a reason for why things were so were so poor then secondly I think he, I'm enjoying this by the way this he is tried to put a lot of lipstick riveting. on a pig with uh, with with Jamin Davis talking about how he kind of looked good on the outside later in the season, which I think we can all agree 
and oh, maybe he'll go back to middle linebacker. But he looked good outside, meaning like outside of the field of play, like on the <laughs> sidelines. Is that what he meant? He looked good as an outside <laughs> linebacker. <laughs> and I, I, I go back to thinking about the Brandon Sheriff draft and, and Jay Gruden saying just to guard. You don't draft a, a 4-3 outside linebacker that's not getting you double-digit sacks, you know, middle of the first round. You, you, you need more production from that. And then lastly. And no ownership of the Davis flop. Right. It was, and, and, and maybe it'll work out, right. but it hasn't right now. I, and I, to, I think you can call it a flop right now, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be a, that we're going to look back at the end of his rookie deal and think he's a flop. He had a bad first year, and I think anyone who says less than that isn't being truthful to themselves. And then lastly, Ron talking about free agency and you know getting to know players and how it's it's super hard to do it on Zoom. And I, you can usually I, I like to put on film so the guys can talk through what's happening and and that just was a huge giant excuse for some of the mistakes that they made this offseason or some of the reasoning for for why maybe some of these free agents that they brought in didn't pan out well and when you're coming off a frustrating season like they just did you know I, I, I wanted to see Ron take more ownership. He talks about accountability, he talks about culture and all those things. I wanted Ron and, and Martin and Marty and, and the entire front office and the guys who are in charge of putting this thing together to take a little ownership for the fact that this, the, the roster construct that they had wasn't good enough and the talent wasn't good enough. And you can explain the reasonings for why those things happened, but I wanted more accountability from them. Yeah, I, I made a point of asking Martin about the first year of evaluation and hey how do you think it went meaning like yo most of your moves didn't work and instead it was he like took oh. it literally like well the scouting the scouts all met in february you know what i mean like i yeah. got like a like a timeline and i'm right. just like and then i'm like well ron how do you think it went compared to the year before and it was like well the scouts all met in february <laughs> like it was well done by the way mitchell i for you to, if you don't think you're animated, you're animated. That was a very good opening to this. Um, to me, Mitch gave all the specifics. The sort of general thing that Ron flip-flopped, went back and forth on is that he's talking about here year three is the time to make the big, huge jump. Where you've got a roster, we've got a personnel that's good enough, we just need the quarterback, we're going to make this huge jump. And then he's like, well, if we could all just settle down expectations and be patient, then we can see this team maybe surprise some folks. You can't say we're going to make the big jump and then also say you want the expectations to be dialed back. You're the guy setting the expectations. So all the other things that Mitch listed, I get it. Um, it's annoying. It was He was shedding responsibility. At the same time, I get what he says isn't going to undo the past four months, the 7-10 and 10 season. Like He can't necessarily win you back with one presser and, and erase all the shortcomings of his team. But, yeah, I thought overall it was – it's just so simple with this team. They need a quarterback, and that's all that's going to fix this. And we can talk about all these other things, Brandon Sheriff, Jamin Davis, receivers, all this other stuff. There's one thing they have to do, and if they don't do it, then it's not going to work. So it almost feels like, oh, this is silly. Let's just fast forward to March and April, see what they get, and then get to September. But they have to have these pressers, and it's just going to continue to be unsatisfying. Go ahead. I – I, I just go back to just wrote the Mike Shanahan during the RG3 Kirk Cousins thing during one of his pressers came out and said, I'm trying to tell you guys the truth, and that's not something I usually do. And <laughs> it just as as we've been leading up to this moment, I've just been thinking about that quote more and more, I think, as it relates to Ron. We heard on the Junkies this morning him talk about, you know, he's seen the logo. He's seen what? He's seen the uniforms and he's seen the logo but doesn't know the name. Okay. Yeah. How's that I don't possible? know that I don't huh. know that that's possible, but okay. And I just I think that there's a lot of I think that there's a lot of things that are said. I think everything that he says is very intentional, and I think we're we'll get to this part of the conversation about quarterbacks and kind of kind of what he's going to do. But I think there was there was some good reading between the lines that you could do about where he wants to go at quarterback uh, this offseason. What is it? And I think it's that they're going to draft a rookie. I don't. I think they're going to dabble. They're going to stick a toe in the pond of some of these vets. But he talked, and he's talked about this before, about wanting to set the team around him and have a have a situation where the guy can step in. Washington has fifty plus million dollars, almost sixty million dollars under the cap this year. Take ten of that away for what they're going to have to use to sign draft picks. 
the offensive line was the best performing unit on this football team last year. And yeah, you have to fill Brandon Sheriff's spot. It doesn't sound like they're going to resign him. We'll see what happens with that. But let's say that's another $10 million, which is how much they're playing, paying Eric Flowers right now. If they even go out shopping for it, if they don't feel comfortable, they might feel comfortable with just Wes Schweitzer or and or City Charles stepping in there. You got a lot of money to, to make upgrades, to, to, to put upgrades together. You have a couple valuable pieces, mostly along the defensive line. We've, I think we've mentioned it. Theron Payne, possibly, that you can use in, in some trade bait for, for potential players. Could be a quarterback, but could also be other playmakers. I think. You, you heard my conversation with him, right? Yeah. I think he kind of struck a different tone talking with me. Now, granted, I asked specifically about last year you seemed reluctant to go to the top of the market in a trade. This year, will you have that same reluctance? And he kind of said no. He kind of said we'll have to look. He, he said we got to look at where we are now, and I think we're much closer now. And if we have a position of strength and that player can help us in a trade, then it looks different. So – I agree with you. At the podium, he kind of shut that down. But talking with me, I think it kind of opened that door up. I think both are very much on the table, obviously. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to be in the veteran quarterback market. I just don't think that they're going to be able to land one of the guys that matters to land. Somebody that you're willing to agree. give up uh, assets to get. And I, I think perception matters around here. And they don't want to be viewed as all in on getting a veteran and then unable to get one of the guys that matters and then it looks like they lost and they're scrambling with the draft pick. right and they've lost Amari Cooper two off seasons ago they lose Matt Stafford they're just going to be the second second place team in all these deals but yeah yeah if they miss out then they can draft the rookie and uh, he keeps talking about the four avenues keep it on the roster right. that's not going to happen let's, yeah let's Two of those avenues are trade. I even said that to him. I'm like drafting. I'm like elite quarterbacks don't hit free agency, so yeah. that's not really yeah. an avenue. And he kind of nodded his head. Yeah. Um, There's like two side streets, which is free agency and what you have on the roster, right? And then two real, two two real avenues. Like if you want to drive from DC to New York, you could take 95, or you could take the Excella. Or you can, like, go via Hagerstown and right. Scranton. Go, go check out the pretty mountains over like, west. Or, you could go over the Bay Bridge and go up 301 and go yeah. through Amish country, whatever you want to do. Yeah. But there's two fast ways. They got great pies over there in Amish country. Great great pies. They got eggs with two yolks. Kind of creeps me out, to be honest Kind of crazy. You. That's a thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is, Is it, it to get twins? Out more? Is yeah. it twins? I don't know. I don't it's kind of gross. Not, I don't that know the science. scary. But, but a, a two a two yolk Benedict is money. Hmm? Mm. Um, Three yolks on this podcast. It's obviously about quarterbacks. Obviously. But, like, I still don't think they're that good offensively. They ran the ball well. But a 1,000-yard season and a 17-game season is not – AG, I think, averaged 65 yards a game. It wasn't – when they were playing well, they ran the ball well, and I think that is something that is transferable. I think that is something they continue. I like the offensive line. Um, I think there. I think that. I think there are there are three moves that they have to do on this roster, relatively quickly, and that's McKissick, McCain, and DeAndre Carter, as like kind of, you know, not important but important moves to make. Kind of get them out of the way and know that you're kind of setting yourself up to be in a pretty decent situation with, with those guys, DeAndre Specials, and obviously running back in safety. And then you're going out marlin hunting. You're, you're, <laughs> you're on a boat, and you're, you're, you're casting lines left and right. And The SS marlin, River boat is the SS set River boat. sail. But that, that marlin isn't, can be a quarterback, but isn't necessarily a quarterback. I, I think they're going to go after a big, a big receiver. Uh, not big in size, but a big-name receiver that can that, make a though. difference. Yes, and they missed on they missed on. But was it? It was a it was a medium receiver. A, they went for it was a marlin. Not a prize fish. No, it, it was, might be. It's a nice fish. You can have, You'd hang it up in your basement. Yeah. You'd stuff it or whatever right. you do sure. formaldehyde. Yeah. But like, it, and Ron can sit up at the podium. Pachyderm. You're not showing it to your friends, and they're not falling over themselves. Like that's the biggest fish ever. It's, it's like, not no. the old man in the sea. Yeah. Ernest Hemingway didn't write about that fish. Damn but, but when the front office tells the story, it's a it's a 13 foot marlin. <laughs> it's, it's a huge fish that they want. Here's the thing, if they. It, all they have are stories, fish tales. Eventually, there's not going to be any more stories. Like at some point, you got to, you got to put a big old moose head on the wall. Like yeah. you need a twelve point buck. Yeah. Well, 
We've gone and, from fishing to hunting, but, but I think that's what they're going to do, and I think it's going to be a, a not a second receiver, but a, a receiver opposite of Terry. And then you start looking at an offense that has Terry, big name other receiver, Curtis Samuel's able to play some next year, and you have you have some weapons on that offensive side. I know this is really strong but stuff. AG can be good. JD McKissick, we know he's valuable in this offense. If Curtis Samuel is the Curtis Samuel that we saw two years ago, and he's your number three receiver. You're all of a sudden you have a little you have a little something going uh, on offense because you have Logan Thomas, who's a good tight end. John Bates is a good number two tight end. Your offensive line is pretty solid. You can you can think about dropping in a top tier rookie QB into that situation, and there's you can at least convince yourself that there's a chance that he can be successful with that. One of the uh, 12 point bucks potentially is Deshaun Watson. Ron didn't talk about Deshaun specifically because he's barred from doing so since Deshaun is on another roster. Ron took great pleasure in pointing that out and being able to sidestep that. But we did ask him just generally what it's like having to consider Deshaun's background and, and legal issues and whether that would deter him. And Ron just kind of threw around the due diligence line, but it'll be interesting to see. You know, if Deshaun gets slayer, great, go get him. But if not, will Washington? make that play because I asked Ron you know that would that set your culture back would that fly in the face of what you're trying to do and again Ron didn't have the most insightful response there but that's uh that's one of the Marlins that they're gonna have to you know should we put our our hook in that water or or swim elsewhere and look for a Marlin with maybe less checkered past I've been clear what I think they should do with Watson is full evaluation I mean you got people send them to Houston figure out what the hell happened because that's what other NFL teams are doing. I also, and that we've been hearing this for some time, and I feel like these legal things always get pushed back, but you'd like to, I've heard that something could happen in February with this, like some sort of resolution. So if, if, if it's coming and you know it's coming, just wait, yeah. see what happens. There are people that, I, that you make a godfather offer for. If he gets, if Watson gets cleared, make a godfather offer. Make them say no. Mm-hmm. Don't make it easy. Make them say no. And also make – is Deshaun going to waive his no-trade clause to come here? I think that's they a, can sell him. I, I, that's what I'm saying. I think if you are selling him on the Marlin and Deshaun Watson coming here, I think you can start selling what this offense can look like with a, with a, with a top-tier QB. So Pete's being silent. I guess he's. I thought you were, by the I thought you had another us. point because no, to me there are there are Rogers Wilson. Rogers in Rogers I think has a one percent chance of happening. Wilson I think has a ten percent chance of happening. Watson maybe around the same ten percent. Yeah. After that you got Carr, who I think. Why would the Raiders let him go? Like, I'll give that a 15% chance. (laughs) Maybe it's a 12%. Maybe it's the same 10, okay? After that, who are you trading for? Matt Matt Ryan's the only other one that I may trade for. Now, Arthur Blank has said he's not letting him go. Sure, and Russ said he doesn't want out of Seattle. And all of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers is happy. It's it's, it's pre-Lion season, Lion season. Right. Everyone's happy right now. We had a great season. You know, I want to keep this guy. I want him to, you know, retire with my team. You make an offer for for Ryan sure. that, that but I, I, I'll be Rogers Russ Deshaun. You can make Godfather offers. Yes, Ryan, you can make an offer. It ain't I a Godfather. Carr, I think Carr and Ryan are a Carr is obviously higher than than Matt Ryan is. I'm not making a big offer for those guys, but I'm I'm calling to see what it takes, and sure. and we'll you know we'll work our we'll Staffordian offer. Two ones. For I think Matt I would, Ryan, he's 39. Not for, I do it for Carr, not for Ryan. For Carr, I, I would do. You won seven games with Taylor Heineke. How many games you win with Derek Carr? Nine. Two games can make a hell of a lot so of what, difference you're in? in the NFL. Yeah, I'd rather keep my ones, throw darts at quarterback at young kids. The only way this thing will ever work is if they if they hit a scratch off, they hit a Powerball, and they draft a quarterback. So then, why are we advocating for them to? trade well or is it just fodder I, for that, us to no, cover no that's my adv- my advocation is for an elite quarterback like all right sometimes they s- switch teams yeah. sometimes it happens like sean watson is an elite quarterback hmm. i just don't know um i think Derek carr helps you more than than you 
than you think, or more than you're saying. I don't. It's hard to to point out how many exact wins he would he would account for, but I think he helps a team across the board because he makes the offense better, which keeps the defense off the field a little more. Maybe they're not quite as run down as, as things move forward. I think it's a it's something that kind of builds off itself. I, I think they're I think if Derek Carr was their quarterback for a full for the full seventeen game slate this year, I think I think they're they're a double digit win team. I think they get to ten wins. And at that point I think so you that's go a difference. Two ones for Carr? I do I do two ones or maybe a one to Ron Payne and, and a three or something like that. Yeah, I don't know I, if that's I, enough to get him, but I mean, I'm, I'm looking. You, you also then have to get a new contract, but if he's sure. agreeing, all that stuff gets worked yeah, out. I've grown, I'm not against it. Yeah, I, I've grown disillusioned a bit with the first-rounders. You see the Rams and other teams sort of cast them aside for more well, proven commodities. You're, you're saying would you trade Jamin Davis and Ron Payne and for also, Derek Carr? Yeah, right. it's this, this group may not be the best at evaluating talent. Do you want them to use that first rounder and just waste it? Might as well get it for someone we know is good. Do you, um, do you whisper the that Chase Young was the number two pick two years ago and was largely ineffective in his second season I, prior to getting hurt? I don't think you need to whisper it. I, I think that's it. something that you got to point out when he start. Yeah, I, I think that Chase can be an elite player in this league, and I think I hope that ultimately he is. But that regression, the first part of this season, was I, I think. I think under the radar, it's alarming as hell. Our expectations were too high, so he played that, poorly. I, that, I have a note here. That was that was wild. you got to stop with this expectation stuff. That word needs to be ejected from his it's dictionary. It's not expectations' fault. Yeah. It's just not. And, yes, the players look at it, but, like, there was some victory laps going on out here, too. In August, July. Right. Like, let's not act like. The expectation stuff. Now, it's tough because I think – so Ron was talking about Jamin and said it's tough, be patient on the young kid, which is pretty unrealistic, but whatever. He's doing what he can. He's saying what he has to say right now. Then I think there was like a pause and a, and a overall conversation about if we just chill out with the expectations, we might surprise people. But perhaps that was direct to Jamin. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was. I think it was an overall comment. I asked him about this. If you always want to be the underdog, don't at some point you want to be the favorite? Yeah. Like, wouldn't it be nice to be Billy Badass instead of the, the, the scrappy underdog? Yeah. We all <laughs> are going to yell in Ron's third year that they need to make a big jump and would have done it this offseason. We've done it on, on the podcast about how this whole team needs to be better. Everything needs to go. Ron doesn't have to come out in the post game after the Giants and talk about needing to take a big step. He's projecting those expectations on his team himself. It's not that the media or the fans or anybody else's. Ron stood at the podium and said, "This there are going to be high expectations for us next year. You yourself are making that projection on your team and creating that urgency or whatever you're going to – what were you calling on the radio, JP? The microwave of, uh, of, of, the, of the NFL football season now? It, he, it's, it's almost like he's talking out of both sides of his mouth where he's frustrated or – annoyed, whatever the, the word is, about fans and media's expectation. But then at the same time, he's saying, hey, I expect a big jump in, in, in my third year. Well, yeah, there are your expectations right there. He, uh, like, Chase and Montez said they wanted to break the sacrament. Right, it's okay to aim All high. we did was report what they said. Like, do we amplify the message? Yes, but the message is coming from somewhere. Yeah, and you signed Ryan Fitzpatrick under the guise of our team is good enough to survive with this quarterback who's going to be here for a year. Like, they're, you don't even say it sometimes. You you make it evident with your moves. Um, I'm like I'm somewhat sympathetic to Ron because he's – and other and the players here because they're just the latest in the line of 20 years of disappointment, so they just have to bear that weight on their shoulders. But Ron, he, he does a lot of it to himself and attracts a lot of this somewhat growing vitriol from fans by – Mixing his messages. I mean, we give him credit for setting vitriol yet. I think yeah. there's frustration, and I think there's. Oh yeah, I guess that's like a, there was that's vitriol for Bruce. Yeah, right. You're like, right. Frustration, yes, and there's there's, question, there's questioning, and and starting to and, wonder, and rightfully so to yeah. question. We're at a, we're two years in, dude. It's okay to question. Yeah, it's you need a microscope to see where this team is better, and after two years, you would like it to be more obvious. And Ron's talking about them being better, but it's hard to it's hard to point out any aspect of this team that's better today than it was. So Two the, years ago. we got a uh, – Cody actually came out with this on radio. To name units, positions that have been upgraded this year from last year that you believe are upgraded going into the future. 
and it was tough. Um, O-line. I, I'd say kind of de- O-line depth. Yeah, like O-line. No, but, but I think even the, the Well, if you lose Sheriff, O-line, though. Not to lose Sheriff. Sure, but you also May- locked up. <laughs> Martin Mayhew made that crystal clear. Yeah. <laughs> I think Martin Mayhew made it pretty clear that Sheriff isn't coming back. You should just say, hey, Martin, you want to say anything else? Like, that was <laughs> kind of gangster. <laughs> Let us know. Yeah. Um, but Wes Schweitzer has played well. Is he an upgrade over Sheriff? No. But he's largely been, well, I guess. Don't, we I don't want to stamp down yeah, this game to, yeah. with Wes Schweitzer right. talk. But I agree on O-line. Yeah. We're agreeing. I'd say O-line depth, but yes. Um, I think safety is better. I, perhaps. If they sign, if they re-sign McCain. I'm saying you special gotta, teams. Yeah. You found your kicker. Sly's good. You re-signed Carter. Right. I think they've improved their special teams. I um, Got to figure out what to do with Apke. <laughs> um, running back is probably, the I think, same. the same issue. It's going to be hopefully the same cast. It's a good cast, but they're not growing Receiver. in any way. In theory, it should be. It's a lot of eh. It's a lot. It's still McLaurin and the rest. It's not McLaurin and someone else. else. You can point to tight end, Logan and Bates. But the the key, it was supposed to be the D line. The D line was supposed to emerge as the best group in the NFL, and they're screwing up the basics of pass rush discipline and and trying to do too much. And if Ron Ron brought that up all the time this year, and if he's saying that all the time, and it's not improving, are they not listening to Ron? Is there a miscommunication going on? That's concerning. I think I'm gonna. I think a lot of a lot of folks might be angry with me after this podcast. I'm gonna get some water real that. quick, but I'm still listening. Why are they angry at you? I just think the. I think you're usually bullish, and yeah, perhaps today you aren't. But I think they'll be refreshed. I think Ron talking about Chase Young needing to be at OTAs should tell everybody that who got mad at us last year when we talked about Chase not being there that it does matter and it is a big deal. And I know it's voluntary. It doesn't matter. It's voluntary, and Chase has every reason and every right to miss it, and so do every other player if they want to. The head coach thinks it matters and pointed specifically to that when he started when he talked about some of the troubles that that between discipline, maturity, and maturity, and he directly pointed to the players not being around when they needed to be. I, I think that's something that's he's going to be rehabbing from an injury, and and we asked Chase about it yesterday on the uh, in his availability. Whether he's able to, to play or not in OTAs, which I don't expect necessarily, he's got to be there. And and you can hate it that it's voluntary, hate the NFLPA for, for negotiating that in. He's got to be there for the for the direction of this team, for the for the for the bought inness, whatever word it is. All that stuff matters. We're covering a lot here. Ron made it clear that it matters. And, and I think hell, let's say let's tell the truth, like. I think it's clear there's a, I don't want to say a disagreement or perhaps there's a divide, like a small schism. I don't, is it small? It's trying to be I, I diplomatic. Mean, when Ron makes veiled maturity questions anytime you bring up the lack of production on the defensive line, and then Ron eventually kind of called it out in the Michael Silver piece on the team's website. Like, I think there's some stuff there, and now you got a guy coming off an injury, like. It's uh, I don't know, man. It's a big off season. Yeah, I. But as with everything, win a couple of football games early in the year, and and everything gets smoothed over real quick. Go get yourself a quarterback that moves the offense and gets them in to the top half of the league. Everyone can forget about all the all the little schisms and and issues that are that are that are radiating around this team right now. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Uh, two more things. Go ahead. I was, I was kind of looking at my notes, too, wondering what else we haven't touched on. One thing, just housekeeping, they are looking at trainer options because, uh, yeah, Vermillion's still But, like, Ron won't around. say... Yeah, we're gonna go hire somebody. Yeah, like he's like, yeah, we 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 gotta 
we got to kind of zero in on this because we yeah, got the combine, combine coming, up, coming up. Yeah, which I get because the combine you get to do like actual medicals on players, and I kind of understand that in season it's got to be pretty hard to deal with that. And they hired the dude from the Caps to help them, but I think Ron wants to wait it out for his boy that he legitimately like trusts with his life. Mm-hmm. The guy was in charge of his cancer treatment, as he said that on our podcast. But like. You might have to move forward here, man. It's just... Now, is it weird that that thing happened in October, and it's now January, and there's no charges? I, I, to me, that's weird. Like, I feel like when the DEA raids, all the DEA raids I've seen on the news over the years, somebody's walking out in handcuffs. This That hasn't happened, but we don't know. Yeah, well, no idea. Yeah, well, just the... The patience for Vermilion, like, I don't know. I think it speaks to the Ron's got Carolina on his mind and doesn't want to move past it and it's just I know that that drives you nuts. You asked him what would you do different and you kinda got the same literal answer right. Yeah, he's like, like, Well, what's different is I'm ahead of the personnel and this and that. Yeah, I wanted more concept thinking there from Ron, but that's all right. I tried. Um thought it was an interesting I thought it, interestingly when he asked about the rookie quarterback thing. He kind of jokingly said back to, I think it was Nikki Jabala that asked the question, you going to give me two years? Are you going to be chill enough to give me two years? He's now said that at, at least the twice. presser yeah. to the junkies. Um, I think he said it Sunday after the or yesterday. Which is what led me to the – He said it a few they're, times. They're drafting – which is why I think they're going rookie at quarterback and not any and not the, not the veteran route. He's kind of – I think he's planting the seed and he's, you know – Tilling the soil. And I think he's ready tilling to, the soil yeah. for sure. I still think if they can hit a home run. Here's the other part of this, and I, and I actually wrote a story, Pete and Mitch. I wrote a story yesterday for the website. I don't know why you're getting aggressive with me. That, I love when you write. That laid out some major questions. You got This Curtis Samuel thing's a major question. The fact that Ron's still saying, him, hopefully we get him fully healthy next year. What are we talking about? <laughs> like, like It was great hearing Curtis say he, he's felt as healthy as he had coming out of any NFL season. And then just say – yeah, I didn't want to put bad film out there. Like, is the reason they kept you active is because they think you could have played. Hmm. So imagine what they're saying privately about yeah. your you're not playing. Yeah. And then that's one major thing they got to figure out. Quarterback is obviously another major thing you got to figure out. Dan is going to be involved. Now, Ron got asked about Dan today, and it's a fair question, but in a way it's a gotcha question because every head coach and GM in the NFL talks to the owner after the season. That's, that's a given. Mm-hmm. It's the owner of the team. You got to talk about how you did. But here, it's different because Dan <laughs> is a maniac and has been. When it comes to quarterback selection, Dan gets involved every time. Haskins, Alex, Robert, McNabb. We can keep going. Jeff, George. Like, I can keep going. He's going to be involved in this. And so I think it's easy for us to say Ron is tilling the soil about a rookie quarterback. But I think it's entirely possible that Dan says, nah, man, pay whatever Seattle's asking and get me Russ Wilson. And I, I, or Dan just calls Pete Carroll or I think it's Joni Allen, Jody Allen, whoever's owner out there, gets it done himself. Hey, maybe if, if Dan can get Russell Wilson here, Dan, freaking do it. Bum. We need to check to see if, like, Kenny Pickett, if he has any ties to, like, Dan's kids or if they went to, like, the same summer Absolute camp. State, baby. We need to do that. Um, yeah. Kenny Pickett's from Jersey, I think. Okay. Maybe he was, like, I don't in think the... he went to Bullis. Okay, yeah. But, um, like, the – yeah, will Dan be excited about a first-round quarterback? Like, this year, you know, Dwayne was an Ohio State guy coming off of 50 touchdowns, had the t- local ties. Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh, Sam Howell from North Carolina, Matt Corral from Ole Miss, like, those – those aren't the same types of QBs, I feel like, in Dan's eyes. But I don't know. I agree. I'm just saying he's going to be involved. Yeah, definitely. I also think Ron today previously asked about coaching changes. He was like, yeah, it's not going to be any. We'll deal with that. Certainly. Today he's like, we're not talking about it. I I think I think they have to change the defensive line coach. Um, it's my understanding that not everybody is best friends in that room, despite what some people may think. Um and I think you need an alpha in that room to try to – think about how it used to be that the, the OLBs and the D-line were, had separate 
rooms. There were separate coaches. Now your DNs and your D tackles are all in one room, and they're all alpha males. Like Chase Young, John Allen, Deron Surly Montez Sweat. You need – it's not going to be Jim Tom Sula. Yeah, I not, all of them. Yeah. Like it's not going to be Jim Tom Sula. That's but like, the style. But you look at – and you don't have to be kind of a, a wild man like Tom Sula. Matsko has incredible command with his players. They respect the hell out of him. They listen to him. He's not – He's not a fire and brimstone guy. He's not yelling all that. Now he does. Yeah, I, I think the I think but his demands measured, are just yeah. so high. It's, and it's also measured. It's not right. Jim Tom Sula was a maniac twenty four seven and was successful doing right. it. That can work that way. Matsko is is measured. You see him at practice and he's pretty even keeled. Right. But when he starts seeing sloppiness or lack of effort, whatever it is, then you see him ramp it up to well, a thirteen. To that point, we had Cornelius talked yesterday. Cornelius Lucas. He said. I know if I don't get my head in the right gap, it's going to be like the world is on fire. Well, you flip that over. The D-line is going all over the place. This gap, that gap, they're not doing it. And you don't hear that. You don't hear the players having fear of doing that. They feel like they can depart the scheme and do what they want. The O-line doesn't think that. They want to do it exactly by the book. That speaks to the respect of their coaches. They respect Matsko. They're not going to F around and do something different. Defense is freelancing all over the place. And and maybe that's... feel like they're unchecked. Maybe they're unchecked. Maybe they think they're better talent, right? Yeah. But if, if I had to guess one spot where I think there could be a, a coaching staff change, that would be it. Um, receiver coach, I'm kind of curious too because they had who was so Drew Terrell was the assistant last year. Yeah, and um, Jim Hostler. Jim Hostler. Now he moved on, and now it's Terrell. He's just a really young guy. Well, Hostler moves to like he's still here, offensive right. As, it's right. Like, it's overseer, like NBC, it's basically. Like NBC Sports Washington. There's a lot of there's a lot of managers. <laughs> um, no comment. True. Um, yeah, Terrell's young. Like the the guy seemed to like him, but he's very young. And your receivers, it's Terry and the gang. Yeah, it's Gladys Knight and the Pips. It, it's almost hard to 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 judge Drew Terrell because sure, I'm just to think there won't be coaching staff changes is silly. They are every year, all over the. But league. no, you think Del Rio Turner? Those guys are. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Del, Rio, some... Del Rio Turner, Katzer, the coordinator level, the C suite, they ain't going anywhere. But I liked your point about Del Rio. Phillips asked him, "Hey, are you coming back?" And he like laughed about it. Like, I get it, Jack. You you got a long resume, and I'm sure the idea of you being fired is a li- little foreign to you. But it's not like you've been fan. You weren't fantastic this season. It shouldn't be. You got to be confident, but it, it felt arrogant. I think was the word you used about him just like, of course I'm back. Like, hey. I I applauded his audacity. Yeah, like it'd be cool to just be that. <laughs> Certainly, confident. it was. Yeah. Like, um, sir, yeah. of course right. I'll be back. I don't think I will. I will be. And then I wonder, front office-wise, the only guy that's left is Tim Gribble. And whenever they start talking, they love to name everybody, Chris Pullian and Stokes, and they name everybody, but I, I feel like I never hear Gribble's name. Yeah. And Gribble has ties to the Kyle Smith administration. I think, I think Gribble does a really good job and has identified some really good players over the years, and you'd like him to stay. But it's just it's something I've got my eye on as we, as we get into this. Yeah, this group is big into listing, but – Feels like it's a little clicky sometimes because some guys don't make that list. Yeah. Um, last thing I had before we get to Ron, there were some good name bits going on during that press. <laughs> it was fun. Um, Ron said something like, I think he was talking about Jamin Davis. He's like, I know you guys want me to throw him to the Wolves. Wait, I probably shouldn't say Wolves. Yeah. And that kind of set the tone. And then, like, what happened? Standing asked him something about hogs. He also, well, Ron then also said something about take command. Oh, yeah. there's another one. Right. Then Standing said, sorry, I don't want to hog the conversation. Ron goes, it's very admirable of you. Right. Admirable of right, you. Right, right. It was, <laughs> that was a good little five-minute window. It was funny. Window. And, like, this media group loves nothing oh, more than, like, wordplay. playing to the crowd. Bits. Yeah. And I... <laughs> I'm surprised Paris didn't get up and give like a standing ovation and start crying in the right, streets. Right, 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 right. Like, it was, it was good. It was funny. Yeah. Um, ah, just seeing this, Albert Breer says Joe Shane will interview for the Giants GM job. Joe Shane is a dude I thought would be GM here. Oh, last I remember year. that. Yeah, Bills uh, guy. Yeah, he's from the yeah. Bills. Was in Charlotte with all these dudes. I think he's really good. I, I, ideally, he doesn't go to the New York Football Giants. Um, Giants should hire Bruce Allen. Rate. The press. We've done this before. By the way, Corn Elder contract extension. Is that was that on your list of moves earlier? There's your big step. Uh-huh. <laughs> Expectations, man. Uh, go ahead, rate the press. Every, every pebble makes a makes a grade. The presser, Peter. 
I think Mitch's grade will be lower than mine. C minus. I should probably be a little harsher, but just what can they say? It's got to be in the moves and not the words. So I under, I just think they're in a plight where they're not going to – they can't win the presser anymore. It's not the intro presser. This is year three. It's time to just start delivering. And I agree with you. I, it, I don't know that the words resonate long-term or matter beyond, you know, the, the, a couple days, weeks, maybe but, months or whatever. But I hear you on the accountability stuff. But I think the accountability thing is what, I, the, is what I keep. Back in the snip-snappery of it all. Yeah. And, and like, the, the, the disingenuousness of it, I would say. Like, I, you know, just go, going back to the damn word culture. Like, they, they've, they've talked about this so much. That isn't just in the locker room. It also has to extend to the coaching staff and the front office and on up the, and up the chain there. And I think that, you know, you can't talk about wanting to have these guys bought in and have them be accountable in their pass rush lanes and all that stuff. Obviously, it's different when you're just talking to the media versus what you're saying to the team. But the, 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 the talking out of both sides of your mouth didn't, didn't sit that well with me today. I, I give him a, a D. D, strong. Um, I remember reading this book. I think it's called Smartest Guys in the Room. It's about Enron, like the rise and fall of Enron. And um, one, of the, one of the things I remember reading at the end of it, Enron's just completely falling apart. And everybody's realizing that they've just stolen all the money and they're complete crooks and it's a joke. <laughs> and they, I mean, we're talking billions of dollars, yeah. right? And can I interrupt? Can we start a Ponzi scheme? I, they, they seem to make a lot of money. You got to call like it a multi-marketing. NFTs. Yes. Check um, out the WFT pod NFTs. Yeah. Those are flying. Um, Enron selling. Enron. And as things are falling apart, like the board of directors and like some employees that are like starting to realize like, oh my God, my life's about to end. They call this meeting and I can't remember his name. I think the dude, didn't the dude end up offing himself? I don't remember. But um, like the one guy that they could track down to talk, he's like, he's like, all right, let's have a meeting about our culture. Because when you don't want to talk about the actual results, because ultimately results are what matter. Yeah. You talk about stuff that just exists in the ether. Like there's no, there's no accountability on culture. Well, at this place there sadly was, but right. like largely it, it, it's just. It's it, not tangible. It's not tangible. Yeah. It, it, it's you can't go to Pro Football Reference. Imaginary. There's no culture column on right. Pro Football Reference. So it, it's an easy default set. It's, it's easy to default, and I'm not suggesting the, the comparison. But when, when you don't want to talk about the numbers, you don't want to talk about the results, you don't want to talk about what is quantifiable, you go to what isn't quantifiable. Mm. That's, that's strong. Wow. As for today's presser, I, I think my conversation with Ron's really good, so it kind of swayed. The presser, I, I walked out of there thinking lack of accountability. And I kind of, if I'm those guys, F it. I don't need to be accountable. Like, as long as they're accountable in their building and not in our media tent, who cares? That's where they – Ron needs to be a hard ass across the parking lot, not with us. But if you're not being a hard ass here, you got to at least question if you're being a hard ass over there. And you're trying to speak to the fans. You know, the name rebrand is, is what it is, and the football is separate from the business side and all that stuff. But the team is trying to be better embracing its, fan, its fans. And – this is the only thing that the fans and, and folks around the team are going to see who aren't in the building are going to hear about what went wrong this past year. And so I think it does, it does matter some, but certainly at the end of the day, him being a hard ass across the street is what matters most. But him. It's I, easy to question if he is because we're not seeing it. Correct. Yeah. All right. This uh, was a chance for him to win some extra faith and he didn't do it. Correct. Um, also, you've been telling me you've wanted me to talk about. We can now leave reviews on Spotify, dude. I only use Spotify now. I don't even use Apple Podcasts yeah, anymore. So I know it's a lot so of our much listeners easy. do use Spotify. Are you guys still using Apple, or have you converted? Well, I've here's converted the thing. completely. Yeah, I have not converted yet. You can leave reviews though. We love getting reviews. You can do it on Spotify. You go to Washington Football Talk, and here's the thing: it looks like there's a little star segment. We have 4.9 stars out of five on Spotify. Ooh, really? It's already. Do we have reviews on there? We've never so been asked. I can't leave a review because it's saying, hey, only listeners to the show can rate it. Check it, a f- check out a few episodes, then come All back right. and give your feedback. Let's see. Well, I don't listen to our own show on Spotify, so I can't leave a review. But hopefully there is I'll tell you what. Now. I like that they make uh, you listen to a couple episodes. Oh, that's good. You can't just spew venom. It's like on venom. Twitter when you, when you retweet right. and they say, hey, have you read this article yet? Yeah. And you're like, hell no. I just want to assail this right, headline. I, I, I follow it. 
right? What do I do now? Um, Walk them through. Hit the little button? So I, th I think you hit the little 4.9 stars, and then it should bring you to a review screen. I can't leave one, though, because I'm not a listener. I'm just I, a part of the show. I am clearly doing something wrong. But also, you can do this on the podcast app. If you're still there, search Washington Football Talk Podcast. You have to go to the actual show. And then once you're there, you leave a review. We haven't gotten one recently, but we would love some. And you can be honest. We read the bad ones, too. I certainly tweet them out from time to time. Um, on podcast app. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> we have 4.7 stars on the podcast app. On the Apple Pod app. On the Apple Pod app. Where is it on Spotify? Yeah. All right. So, you right. search. You're on the show. Right. We're at the show. Huh. Where's your stars? I see no stars. Yeah. Look, either. I have stars right there. Maybe I need an update. Yeah. Well, this has right. gone well. This JP's is riveting. Yeah. <laughs> really did a good job. JP's here, like, hey, can you succinctly sum up how to leave a review? I said, sure. I think I just muddied the waters as much as you could. All right, let's go to Ron. It is always a pleasure to sit down with Washington football coach Ron Rivera. I mean that sincerely. We do these every week. I appreciate you making the time. It's been a roller coaster of a season. You're, you're now through two years as the boss here in Washington. You've had your own struggles. The team has had struggles. You've had your own victories. The team has had victories. How do you feel about the state of your organization two years in? Um, I like where we're trending. You know, um, there was a stretch we had that was very good football. Uh, I thought our players really came together and understood and bought into what we were trying to get done. And then, unfortunately, we had a little bit of a train wreck for, for, for a few weeks. And that was tough. That was a tough part of it. But to finish the way we did, you know, come up against the Giants uh, up in, up in uh, New York and, and come, out, come away with a win, um, having two guys accomplish something that really stands a lot for a team, and that's you know a thousand-yard receiver in Terry and a, and a thousand-yard rusher in Antonio. Um, those, those were good landmarks. Uh, those, those were good. Um, those were good milestones for us as a football team. I agree, especially running the ball. You guys ran the ball much better this season. About a 13-point jump in the standings in the league, um, and, and I think running the ball is indicative of an offensive process, not just a player. Seven wins last season, seven wins this season. Obviously, the context is different as the NFC East was different. Do you feel that your team improved this year? I think it did. I really do. Um, and the reason I say that because in spite of the situation we have, you know, where we had that really tumultuous four weeks or four-game stretch, I should say, um, I, I, I really felt bad for our football team, for our players, because we didn't really get a chance to see what we, we could be what we could turn into. Because um, that, that really was the one thing that once we got to six and six, you know, with five games left to play, anything was possible. Um, and then, unfortunately, lo and behold, we had that situation. So I feel in spite of that, you know, in spite of the, the difficulties, I, I, I think we're trending in the right direction. I really do. I feel good about that. It's been said here before, and, and you've even kind of mentioned it at times, that it just sometimes seems like, the hits never stop coming for the Washington football team. The end of the year, you get the COVID outbreak, injuries start to pile up, two tragic accidents. How do you keep everybody moving forward? Um, I think the, the, the one thing is, you know, you, you, you always try to get them to focus on, 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 on what's happening, you know, be where their feet are. And I, I think it, it all kind of came ahead to the head the uh, second Dallas game. That, that was a that was a difficult. That week was just unbelievable. Um, you consider what these young men went through, and I, I really felt you know felt for them. Uh, you know, because these are guys that you know are young. They they they, they seemingly feel invincible because they're young. Uh, but to have you know the tragedies that they had to deal with, the COVID they had to deal with, the frustration of it all, it, it all kind of boiled over. Um, so so you know that was a tough one, but. Trying to get them to get past it and the way they played the last two games, and that, that I thought that was very admirable of them. That Cowboys game was a bit of a hornet's nest, too, because yeah. they'd been slumping a little. They needed to show something, national TV, night game. It, that was, a, that was a, a lot of factors all at once kind of combining. Looking back kind of at, at the entirety of 2021, the draft and free agency, I, I think your first season here, both were a big success, the draft and free agency. 2021, limited success and maybe some steps back in spots. How do you, how do you look at that and how do you address that for 2022? 
Well, I think when you look at, at what happened in 2021, yeah, we had it was limited. It's probably a fair way to put it, JP. I, I think that's fair. But you look at the things that were positive. You know, we found a guy that's our left tackle, and we're going to have him there for a while. Um, you know, uh, we go through the draft, and we find a guy that plays right tackle for us, and we should have him there for a while. You know, um, we had some 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 guys that really get an opportunity to contribute. Bobby McCain, we thought played pretty well for us. Um, you know, he's a guy that 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 could have even had more of an impact. Unfortunately, he didn't have the interceptions that he had opportunities for. You know, but looking at these things, saying in a year's time they'll be even better you feel comfortable you feel confident about that and to me that's that that's the way i'll approach it that's the way i'll look at it i mean you know we found our we found our second tight end you know in john bates you know it, it just it goes on and on when you look at the guys that we've added and what the potential can be we've been having this debate and my vote is for john bates who's your rookie of the year of your class last year Ooh, wow you know because because he didn't really start playing a lot until until Logan got hurt, um, and then Ricky Seals didn't get to play. That's when you really got to see him. But when you look at what Sam Cosme sure. did, and unfortunately he got hurt and missed five games, you know, it would be hard to single one of those two out as much as I'd like to say. I'd love to give it to both of them just because of what they did and how they played and how they were able to sustain it. One guy we haven't mentioned is the first-rounder, Jamin Davis. How do you evaluate his season, and, and how do you get him on the field more next year? I think his season was an up-and-down season. You saw, you saw moments that told you he could really do it. But to me, you really saw it when we had a veteran guy in the middle, a guy that communicated and really kind of took a lot of pressure off of not just him but Cole and allowed those guys to play fast football, which is important. Um, how do you get him on the field more? Work. I really do believe that work. And, 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 and I know a lot of people aren't satisfied in, in, in what Jamin did this year. And quite honestly, Jamin's not either. He's told me that. But I do know he's, he plans to work hard. He plans to do everything he can to get himself better and get prepared. And I think he'll take another step. You know, the thing a lot of people seem to forget is this is his second full year as a linebacker. You know, he started only one true year as a, as, as a third-year player at Kentucky. So he's got a lot of football ahead of him. And it's the same thing with Cole. If you look at Cole and you sit there and say, you know, he really transitioned to an inside linebacker um, his rookie year here. You know, they did a great job in developing him, and, and, and we've been fortunate enough to, to, to be the beneficiaries of, of his next two years, and he's done a good job. He's, he's getting better. Looking ahead now, uh, I hear you guys might need a quarterback. <laughs> That's an understatement, dude. <laughs> what do you do? You look. You know, we've got four opportunities. We've got four avenues, okay? Is that guy currently on our roster? We have a guy that we like who competes the heck out of it in, in, in Taylor. Um, is that guy out in free agency? You know, we'll look and see who's available. We're going to evaluate all those guys. Um, potential trades, we'll look at that as well, you know. And the, the, the fourth one, obviously, is the draft, the draft process. And we will go through the draft process, and we will deal with all four and see what happens. Is there an avenue you prefer? Like, when you started in Carolina, you also had the number one overall pick, and yep. there was an incredible prospect named Cam Newton on the board. So that... I imagine it was kind of an easy decision. Yep. If you had your dream scenario, is there an avenue you'd like to go? Um, well, if, 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 if you were asking me this right after I took the job, I would have said to have my, my franchise quarterback from day one, to know that I'm going to pick that guy and we're going to develop that guy. Yeah, that, that, that to me is the dream scenario. Um, now that we've had to move on, um, I would like to say coming out of this offseason, with a guy that we're going to find out if he's our, 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 our franchise quarterback and, and, and have him become our franchise quarterback. You've talked about year three having to take a big step. Mm -hmm. If you go the rookie route, does that allow for a big step? It depends. If, 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 if our pieces are in place where, like I feel comfortable about, um, then yeah, it still does. Because again, I like where our offensive line is. You know. Again, um, I know at the end of the year, some of these rating systems, people have rated them in the top 10. And that's good because one of the things you've got to be able to do with your quarterback is protect them. Um, we have a 1,000-yard rusher and a 1,000-yard receiving receiver. I think we've got playmakers around them. We've got potentially a good tight end situation. Again, Logan coming back ready to play. Um, our wide receiver group can be better. 
if Curtis is back healthy and ready to roll, which I believe he will be, and Diami takes another step forward and we're able to re-sign the guys that we want to and, and the guys that we've added on get an opportunity to play. Um, so you feel like you've done what you're supposed to do, and that is ID your franchise quarterback, protect your franchise quarterback, and put playmakers around him. Um, yeah, I, I, would feel, I would feel pretty good with that. Because, again, I, I've said this. I'm not afraid to play rookies. I've played them before, and they've been successful for us um, because we'll coach them up. We'll do the best we can to get them ready to play football. The other possible avenue, there's free agency, right? But generally, top-tier quarterbacks don't hit free agency. Right. It's more of reclamation projects or a guy you like and maybe you see something. Yeah. The, the top-tier guys you probably have to trade for. Yep. And we've seen some of that. We saw Matt Stafford move last year. But the compensation is high. Yep. You've, you've said perhaps you've been reluctant to give away too much when you're trying to build overall. Yep. But two years in, recognizing maybe the need, has that reluctance changed? Well, I think, again, it's not just necessarily about the reluctance to do it, but are we in position to do it? And I think, I think we put ourselves in pretty good position. You know, as we go through this evaluation process of us, you know, uh, I had a tremendous meeting this morning um, with, our, with our, uh, our, our, our top brass as far as our personnel department, with Martin and Marty and, and, and Eric. Um, I've met with Chris Polian, and we've talked about uh, positions and stuff like that as well, and our coordinators. Our coaches are finishing up their evaluations right now. We'll dive even further into that. So do we feel good about it? Yeah, I do. So now as we look at all avenues and we sit down, when we talk about you know trading, whether it's trading for a player or trading up in the draft, what will, what will it take? Yeah, we'll, we can have an earnest con, uh, conversation where we may say, it's going to take not just draft picks, coach, but it may take a, a core player or two, you know, with the depth we have in certain positions, we might be. So again, to your question, yeah, that, that's a possibility, JP. That's intriguing. You said a few times that you're comfortable with where you are. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? Mm -hmm. But say the COVID outbreak isn't quite so bad. Say, yep. you know, two, two people go right instead of left and things are different. Do you feel like this team stays in that six or seven playoff seed and you're still coaching for a game this weekend? I say we have a chance to stay in that position. I think that would be a better statement. I think we would have a chance. You know, who knows what happens in that first Dallas game? Who knows what happens in that first Philadelphia game or the second Philadelphia game for that matter? Um, you know, it's tough to say anything about the second Dallas game, but who knows? I mean, because if you look at it, uh, if, if, if we win the right two games, uh, any of those games we lost were in the playoffs. So potentially, yeah. The one I always look back at is Denver. Yeah. Does that stick with you? Yeah. 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 Denver was a game, you know, that was that was ripe for the taking. Um, we missed opportunities in that game. Um, I mean, you could point as far up to the first game of the year. You know, unfortunately, we turned the ball over at the wrong time. Um, you could say the uh, the uh, New Orleans game. You know, we, we had two unfortunate defensive plays that that really just kind of took the wind out of our opportunities right there. And yeah, Denver game you can point to. But again, we didn't do it. We didn't get it done. So ifs and whats and candies and nuts. Um, last one. You, you, you've in the past talked about the importance of your own division, of, of taking care of your business yep. in the division. Looking at what the Cowboys have done and the offensive firepower they've assembled and now playing some really good defense too, does that alter or, or, or do you guys have to now plan on how you attack them? Yep. That's one of the things that you have to do, is you have to plan to attack the teams in your division. You know, my first stint in Carolina, we, we figured out how to work and play against Atlanta and, and Julio Jones. And then um, what did we have to do against Tampa and Mike Evans? And then what we had to do with, um, you know, getting after Drew Brees and, and, and Michael Thomas and, 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 and Alvin Kamara. So, you have to look at each one of the teams in your division and say, okay, and I learned this um, you know, from, from John Madden. We said, if you can't have him, find out how to block him. And by that he meant when he was with the Raiders, um, you know, if they couldn't block Ed Tudal Jones, draft the guy that blocked him. I've listened to what you say, and I try to pay a lot of attention. And one quote I've heard you say often, I believe, is Henry Ford. 
Whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Yep. And then this year there was the, the David versus Goliath. Yep. It, it seems like you believe in the underdog yep. momentum. At, at some point, does that turn into being Goliath? You know, it does. You know, you quote unquote become the, the hunted. You know, it's, it's it, but to me, it, it, it's, it's always that saying that, you know, it's hard to get to the top. It's even harder to stay on top. Thank you, Ron. All right. They got eggs with two yolks. Kind of creeps me out, to be honest with you.